Thank you, Mike, for that prayer. It's awesome, awesome truth. Um, okay, so this morning, uh, what we, what I want to do with you and, and be available for God the Holy Spirit to bring back uh, some of the points that he made and brought out yesterday that we weren't able to record. And so I, I just felt like, and I asked Mike, and he felt like it was a good thing for us to do that uh, together. So that is exactly what I would like to do, and I'm going to trust God with you. I mentioned this, I mentioned this yesterday. There are two, and, and the reason that this message came up, this word of God, this word of counsel to me personally, because it had to do with two different things. It had to do, really not two different, but two very much the same things. It, it, it was dealing with anxiety. And Mike had preached a, a message in, in Burleson at, at Matt, Matt's house about anxiety. And he, and he had said that it was such, such a presence of God that even after he, he was done, they had just stayed there. And for another hour and a half, <clears throat> and that thing on anxiety, and at the same time, I had been dealing, God had been dealing with me in the counsel of his word about the necessity, and it's almost like it was an emergency to, you need to, I, and God, me, <laughs> being the pen, any of us, if God's going to write anything about the word, it's got to be himself, and we're just going to be the pen in his hand, made it very clear, you need to write this book about eternal salvation and absolute finished work assurance about being in Christ. Because the enemy, with, especially with believers, will use a two-pronged attack. Now, the two-pronged attack is for against, this is against believers that I'm talking about. Now, we know in Revelation 12, 9, he keeps the whole world system, the unsaved world system, in a state of being constantly deceived. And by that deception, he keeps them in a constant state of fear and anxiety. It's how the whole world system operates based upon the lie, father of all lies in John 8, verse 44, that you cannot trust God and that you do not need him. This started in Genesis, the third chapter, when he got Eve. Notice, he got Eve, and Eve, I want to make this clear, because the scriptures do, do make it very, 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 very clear that when the enemy, who's very subtle, approached, he approached Eve, because she would be so easily deceived, because she is the weaker, not the lesser, but the weaker vessel, because Adam, in that temptation, that subtle lie of the enemy, he transgressed. He knew the truth, but he did it anyway. He did it anyway. He submitted knowing that his wife was deceived, but he still did it. That's transgressing. He knew better. She did not know better. He didn't know better. Now, in the types, we know, obviously, that Jesus Christ, in 1 Corinthians 15, start in verse 40 and go to the end of the chapter, but especially in those 40 to 49, that the first Adam was fallen. The second Adam is Christ. And out of Christ, the second Adam is the Eve, us, his church. 
and we are the weaker vessels, and we can easily, so easily, easily, easily transgress. Transgression is James 4 and verse 17. To him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. But then there is, then we can be easily deceived. We are no match, none of us, man or woman, no match for the enemy. But again, again, this brought out this. Now we're gonna just we're gonna touch on here, and we're gonna see how they work. We're gonna see very beautifully how they work and how deeply God loves us and wants to counsel us with the truth, his the very very nature and character and essence of his very person that he has so given to us through Christ. And of course, we're going to grow in it for all eternity because that's a love that just simply passes knowledge in Ephesians 3 and verse 19. That doesn't mean that we miss it. It's just we keep growing in it, but in an undisturbed and undistracted state because we're in heaven minus the flesh. <laughs> minus the flesh. And, and thank God for that. But again, there's two areas where the enemy comes against. Remember now, he's got the whole world system in a state of deception. Now, if we are deceived in that area, there's going to be fear and not love. God, God is love. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7, all the way to the 20th verse. God is love. And, that, and, and so again, and we are children that are loved by God through Jesus Christ and, of course, by the effective power of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's two ways, though. Then, then, if he can't deceive us by us as Christians, listen here, going back into the world and being, and being anxious about all the details of life, if he can't do that, then he'll come against us. And the way that he will accuse us, the brethren in Revelation 12 and verse 10, is that in some area of our life in Christ, we can't trust him. We cannot trust him. Now, that's the two-pronged attack that he comes against. He comes against men and women. Now, here in Matthew, the sixth chapter, it starts out as we have... All of us have been taught so beautifully and faithfully by, by God, the Holy Spirit, and who, again, to make it crystal clear, is the only theologian, by the way, and the only scholar. Because it takes God to reveal God, because God only knows himself like only he does. And he makes himself known, and he has through Jesus Christ, and even giving us that, it has to be by God, the Holy Spirit. This is brought out in John 16, 13, and 14. 1 John 2, 20. And 1 John 2 and verse 27. This is for all of us. Now, here we are. And it starts out with prayer. But how to do the prayer? It has nothing to do with the flesh. Not a single thing. Dependence doesn't have a thing to do with the flesh. That Proper prayer has nothing to do with the flesh. Matter of fact, even in salvation, it is grace. And for the first time, in, in prior to an unsaved state, we had free will, but we never experienced an ounce of freedom till we received Jesus Christ, who is the source of our freedom in Galatians 5 
and verse 1, and the source of our peace in Ephesians 2 and verse 14. Very, very clear in the scriptures. So, it starts out with prayer. But how do we do it? In the flesh? For a show of the flesh? No. We don't do that. And we can see that where it says, when you pray, okay, when you pray, you you go into your closet. What does that mean? In secret. That's our inner man. There's a dependence inwardly that goes in, in us, that's inside of us. Because Christ is in us in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. He is in us. Christ in you. Christ in you. The hope, the guarantee of glory in Colossians 1, verse 27. So there's the inward man. And that is the very most important thing about us. That's why the Holy Spirit's prayer in 1 Thessalonians 5, and verse 23. says, I pray God through the apostle, speaking to the Thessalonians, the very young Christians, that I pray, God, your whole spirit, you see inwardly, your whole God consciousness, your inward life. I pray, God, that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless, without shame. So in other words, it's the spirit, it's this inner man that he's talking about. That's what he's talking about. The most important thing about us is that's been dealt with. So that, and we'll see what that means later on here. But here, again, in verse 5, it says, When you pray, you will not be as the hypocrites. What's a hypocrite? One who pretends that they love God without ever receiving the love of God. Romans 12, 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Stop pretending. You know how many times we have to pretend? And where do we pretend as believers that are in Christ, positioned in him, experientially because of the flesh? Because of the flesh. We pretend. We pretend that we love God. No, listen. 1 John 4.10, here in his love. Not that we loved him. That's the flesh. Not that we loved him. We couldn't have. There was no love there because there was no God involved. So 1 John 4, 10, herein is love. This is love. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for us. That's why we love now in 1 John 4, 19, because he first loved us. The only way we could do that is Jesus Christ, who is the light, the beautiful, full effulgence of the glory of God Almighty, had to put on humanity and come out as that light that would light us up, that light, the teaching of Christ, the teaching of who God is through Christ by the manifestation and revelation and power of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit brings us with that light, that word, back into a place of being loved. And when what replaces love? I'll tell you, in the believer, worry, anxiety. Anxiety, if the enemy can't get us to worry about Food, clothing, job, place to live, all these earthly things. We're Colossians 3, verse 2. So set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Listen, God has God knows that we have need of all these things. He knows that. He makes it very clear that He that He that He knows what we have need of. He knows it better than us. And when it's not his love that leads us in the need that we need, even in the material things of this life, then it's just the lust of the flesh. That's all it amounts to. And there's where the anxiety comes in. The fear, the dread. 
The whole world system is driven by that. Now, for a belief, again, so this is prayer, and prayer always teaches constant, continual dependence. Constant, continual dependence. Listen to God, the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, who went to the third heaven in 2 Corinthians 12, 1 to 7. He went into the third heaven, but he still, at the end of his life, approximately 67 years of age, in Philippians 3 and verse 9, to not be found in his own righteousness, again, going back to the flesh, like the Hebrew Christians did in the book of Hebrews. That's not talking about people not that not being saved at all. That unlocks, that's the key that unlocks the whole so-called mystery of the sixth chapter of Hebrews and the eleventh uh, chapter of Hebrews. It unlocks the whole mystery of that because they were born again Christians. Hebrews, but born again Christians that were born again saved. Total, completely finished in the finished work of Christ, and but they were going back to the law again, ah, back to the flesh, just like Christians can do. They can go back to the flesh. Now you can read that in Romans chapter eight in those first eight verses. First eight verses. There's no condemnation to us that are in Christ. No guilt, no shame, no fear. There's no fear in love in First John four. In verse 18, because as Jesus Christ is, so are we positionally. In 1 John 4, 17, and 1 John 4, and verse 18. And there's no fear in love. And furthermore, in 2 Timothy 1, 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear. We're not to fear about material things and hoard them up just in case God doesn't come through. And then just be disobedient in other known areas and hoard to myself and be a cheapskate to, to God and others. Because that can happen to all of us. When we live outside of love, then we live in the lusts of the flesh. And we, we know what those are in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 21, Matthew chapter uh, 15, 16 to 20, and Mark chapter 7, verses 14 to 23. We can see those clearly. And we may function in the flesh even though we're not of it. We are of Christ. We are of the love of God, made to be loved by God in Christ. Listen, we were made to be loved by God in Christ. Period. And to rest in his love. To relax. And again, in Philippians 4, 4, again I say relax. God has God has your life in control. If he took care of your eternal future, and he did, and no one can take you out of it, in John 6, 37 and 39, and John 10, 28 and 29, well, won't he do the less take care of you in time with your material needs? Of course. But boy, I'll tell you, the enemy goes after the believer. You see. So, Okay, verse 7 of Matthew 6. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen, unbelievers. For they think that they will be heard, they themselves, with their own will, detached from Christ, the finished will and work of Christ. In John 4, verse 34, we can see that. And that it's going to be that their words, their much speaking, will be heard. Be not you therefore like unto them. 
Who's he talking to? Who's God talking to today? He's talking to us, those that are in Christ. Be not them like unto them, for your Father knows what you have need of. Mater this is material. Because the others, our eternal future has already been taken care of. But don't think the enemy won't go after it if you don't continue in proper teaching and preaching. And that's why, with this anxiety, as Mike was talking to me, uh, Mike Penton was talking to me about that, and I was so built up by that and spurred on with this, and God used that to spur me on and say, well, that happens, and a lot of anxiety happens to do with material things with Christians. They get so overoccupied with that. No wonder Jesus said in Luke 19, 13, be occupied with me till I come. Be occupied. God, what is the whole preponderance of our thought? What is the whole preponderance of a plan that we think is ours? It's, is it material things? The details of life? God, God forbid, and he does. And he's given us the authority of it through his cross in Galatians 6 and verse 14. God forbid that I should glory. He does. He forbids it. And with the authority of his love, his love for us. God forbid that I should glory. Of whom the whole world system all the material things of the whole world system is crucified. Listen, God crucified the world system to the Christian. And he crucified the Christian to that. You think you'll find any security and rest in that? No, nothing but anxiety to live just like the heathen. To live just, and there's was many so-called teachings of Christianity that came out in, in the uh, 70s and 80s. God wants to bless you and make you rich. Oh boy. Well, uh, Revelations chapter 3 verses 14 to 22 will do away with that kind of preponderance. Putting wealth and money ahead of God himself. Here we are right here. So we go into this prayer. He has a, what, things, whatever you have need of. Listen. Christ has met it all. My God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Not you, not me, but by Christ. Listen, it has to do with our eternal life. That was by Christ Jesus. What makes us think now that Christ is our life, that the details in our life about money and finances and all these other things don't have to do with him still. Because they do. And the enemy wants to bring in anxiety and fear because fear has torment, torture. The enemy wants to torture believers. They get them occupied with money. You look at it in 1 Timothy 6, verse 9 and 10. Many be, get pierced through with many sorrows. That's right. Pierced through with many sorrows because the love, the in of inordinate affection that money attaches to the person and to believers is what? The source of all evil. Evil. Their fear and pride involved in evil? Is there sin involved in it? In Psalm 51 and verse 4, that's the cause of anxiety. It is. Now, if the enemy can't get me in that area, then he still, listen, none of, look at none of us. We have to be careful what we hear. I have to be careful what I hear. Mark 4, 24, Jesus said, be careful what you hear. You best be careful. 
Luke 8, 18, be careful how you hear. And then James 1, 19 and 20, be more ready to hear the engrafted word, which is able to deliver your soul from all these other lies, like covenant theology, lordship, salvation, universalism, annihilationism, hyper or ultra dispensationalism, all these things. And some, and we'll get into it in, in this, I believe, and I, I really believe it with all my heart, and, and understanding the teachings of Calvin and Joseph Arminius and what an evil effect they've had on believers throughout the ages, throughout the ages. But it was planned. You know, the enemy, he knows when, where, and how to come against us. Knows that. I don't care who we are. Don't think, listen, don't think that you and I can't get affected by it. We can and we will apart from Jesus Christ. And that's what makes it important in James 4, 17. Therefore, submit yourself to God. Submit yourself to God. How? Through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Then you, Christ, in you resist the devil and he flees. When he doesn't see him in a proper experience, what do you think the enemy's going to go after? If he doesn't see Christ in the experience, if he doesn't see it, he's going after it. Losing your salvation. You can keep it. Look, you wait till you wait till this. I can't wait till God brings this booklet out. I, ca I cannot wait. And my friend Mike said so too. And uh, I have such a joy about it because God so loves his sheep through Jesus Christ. I can't. Jesus loves his sheep. They're his sheep. You read John, the 10th chapter. They are his sheep. And the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy in John 10, 10. But oh my God, but Jesus Christ came that you and I might have life individually, but have it together in such an abundance. And he wants to bring it out. I can't wait for these things. The enemy's so subtle. We're no match for him in, in, in Genesis 3 and verse 1 and 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 3. So to get on with this, to get on with this here this morning, we see this, that when you pray, you pray uh, unto our Father, which are, which are in heaven. Now, of course, this is, we glean from this as the church. We're gleaning truth from this. I'm not going to be like the, the hyper or ultra dispensationalist and say that I'm only limited to, to the so-called Pauline doctrines. Listen, they are the, they are the Christ life teachings given to Paul as a vessel. Period. Period. I don't even like calling them that. Okay? God used that, used those things, gave those things to Paul, and in giving to him, of course, they were given to us as an equal in Christ. In Galatians 3.26, we're all the children, we're all little technians. Okay, whether you're a babe, a young man, or a spiritual dad, in 1 John 2, 12 to 14, in, in measure, we are all, in Galatians 3, 26, is all little technias, meaning we're going to continue to grow. He's our Father, given to us through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so here, he says, and, and he, he, he goes on, and then I want to go up to here, and I want to go here because now he's, de he's dealing with Jewish disciples and he's teaching them about the kingdom, millennial reign, which is going to be in the future. In the future. We have the kingdom of God. Remember what Jesus said 
the kingdom in Luke 7, 17, 20, and 21. He said the kingdom of God does not come with, with an observation. But the kingdom of God, he said, is within. Meaning it was among you, it was among the Jews at that time that they refused. In John 1, 11, he came unto his own and his own rejected him. Listen, they, re look it, listen, they rejected him. There's another thing we want to get into, the sin unto, uh, the uh, unpardonable sin. The unpardonable sin is the absolute rejection of Jesus Christ and ascribing to the miracles and the work that Jesus did to demons. To know it's from God, but still do that. That's unpardonable, by the way. Sidelight, so we continue. So we're going to get up to here. So he was dealing with them here as Jewish disciples, teaching them. But still, we glean incredible truth from these from these things. And you can't, in your in any of us, in our right mind, the in our right minds, the mind of Christ in First Corinthians two and verse sixteen. You can't tell me we can't glean from these, because we can and we should, but in a proper way. Now, here it says this, in verse nineteen. Here are we gonna go. This is Matthew six, and verse nineteen. And we see it very, very beautifully here. And, and uh, here's what it says. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth. Let that not be your whole thing. Everything about you is your treasures. Let, that, let not that be your whole mindset. Let it not be that way. Lay, why? Where moth and rust does corrupt. That's what happens. Moth and rust corrupt it. Okay? And this is what it's saying. I'm going to tell you here. This is what it means in the Greek. Okay? This is what, what the Greek says without getting into it because it's a present imperative. Presently, right now, a command of God's love is this. This is what he's saying. Stop having the habit of storing up treasures for yourself, treasures and not Christ. The enemy will use it to cause anxiety and cause you to doubt God's care for you. That's right. He does care for us in 1 Peter 5, 7, and in Psalm 55 and verse 22. You need to cast it on him. All your anxiety, care there in 1 Peter 5, 7, is anxiety. We'll see it here. Stop having the habit. Treasure not for yourselves, treasures. Christ is the treasure in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. That will last where rust and moth can't touch it. Make that your focal point. Build on Christ as your foundation for eternity. Because heaven and earth, the way it is now, in Isaiah 40, verse 8, Matthew 24, and verse 35, will pass away. But my word, Christ in us, will not pass away. That goes into the Bema seat, not a judgment seat, but a manifestation and evaluation seat in 1 Corinthians 3, 13 to 15. Wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stones. What does the fire do to both? Purifies one, does away with the other. Wood, humanity. Hey, emotions. Emotions, stubble, no growth. None whatsoever. Why? So occupied with the things of the earth and material things. So occupied with it. So worried and fear and driven. 
depleted energy, depletes spiritual energy, no question about it, which is love, because love is the active energy of God's nature, and light, Christ that coming out, is the purity of that nature, which refuses to be mixed with anything other than itself, period. You cannot worship God and worship mammon, money. Can't, you can't serve, and serve has to do with worship. So don't lay it up. Lay it not up. Lay it not up. Don't do it. Why? Because thieves will dig through and steal it. John 10.10a. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He does. He does that. Without dig through. That's what it really means in the original. To break through or to dig through. That's what it means. That's what it means. Because back then the walls were made of mud and brick. And it was easy for a thief to break through and steal. You know, nowadays, what's, what kind of safe where money, treasures are kept that a thief can't break through right now? You tell me. You think there's any? None. God's the keeper. Don't, don't let us not... Worry about that and not be deceived in any way. God's the keeper of everything. Our eternal life and every material need that we need because they all come from him. There is no difference. There isn't. Boy, I can't wait to write that book, especially with the fear and anxiety and evil that the enemy wants to bring upon Christians that somehow now something they didn't deserve to keep, now they have to keep. <laughs> their salvation. It is evil. It is evil. And I, I'm saying this now, with men and women, a lot of evil doctrine has been promulgated and called and, and entered into Christianity where we call it Christendom because it's not Christ. But I guarantee you there's so many cults and wrong teachings that came as a result of women. Role reversal. Men knowing better, too. Men are not excused. They're even more, I think, even more accountable. Even more so. But women. That's right. Who did Satan go after? He went after the woman to be deceived. He knew. He knew it. That he could deceive her. He absolutely... And we're like that. We're receivers like a woman. Like women. There's initiators and receiver. Christ, receivers. Christ is the initiator, and we, the church, his bride, are the receivers. And the enemy can deceive us easily with material things, is what he's doing here. But oh, how he wants to go after, after the experience of believers that are positioned in Christ and think that they can lose it. And now you've got to do something to keep it. And those that think that others can lose it and they keep it, well, what do you think that is? That's called pride. Pride. Read Proverbs 18, 1 and 2, Genesis 6, 5, Genesis 8, 21, Psalm 10, verse 4, Psalm 50, verse 21, Psalm 14, 1 through 3, Psalm 53, 1 through 3. Read all those. In John 6, 63, and Romans 7, and verse 18, they're very, very, these scriptures are, they're our scriptures, by the way. For the Christian, these are just as much yours as mine, and mine is yours. That's right. That's called the Word of God, Christ, in John 1, 1. Well, here it is. Don't do it. Don't lay him up. 
Do you know what the Greeks called thieves back then? He called them mud diggers. Mud diggers. Christians living in the details of life. They're digging in the mud. And boy, can he do away with that peace. Read Isaiah 57, 19-21. Peace, peace, God says, to them that are near, that's us in Christ, and to them that are far off, and we can live just like the world being far off because we dig in the mud about details of life. Anxiety and stir up. How does the enemy stir it up? Through and stir up the flesh and the believer through anxiety. Fear can't get enough, can't hoard up enough, can't do it. You see, God loves us, He's giving us loving counsel. They the Greeks call them mud diggers. And then rust. What does rust do? What does rust do? It eats, it gnaws and corrodes. Oh, how by the enemy. <laughs> He wants to eat at and gnaw and corrode the experience of the believer who goes after these earthly things. And also to do that experientially with their eternal life that Christ is. No question about it. Well, rust. But have a single eye. You know, listen, this single eye is used of a marriage, con a marriage contract. We are married to Christ. Has God not supplied all our need? Eternal and physical on this earth. In Philippians 4 and verse 19, my God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by, in and through Christ Jesus. That's why in Philippians 4 and verse 13, we can do all things through Christ, which makes us powerful, mighty, dynamic, with energy of love and purity of the light that comes from it. And so here we see here where to have this single eye of a marriage contract. And when we're married to him and when we know we're not our own, in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, we are our temple of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16. We're not our own. And furthermore, what makes us think we own anything? You better, we better look at Job. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, Job 121. Here it is. The marriage contract is to be pure and simple. And in that, there's freedom in that marriage contract. It has to do with his initiation, his grace, and our receiving it. And once we do, we're eternally safe and secure in terms of our salvation. This is going to be brought out in, in print. I, I know God's going to do that. And we're to do it we're to, we're to enter into that experientially and we're to remember it promptly. We're to understand it. So single here, the single eye speaks of a moral sense. And moral, morals, literally, there's no difference with the true word of morals. Look it up in the 1828 Noah Webster Dictionary. As far as I know, it's the best dictionary right now on the planet. Now, you still need to get the word. Because there's still some things in there you could have some serious trouble with. Noah Webster was a polyglot. He understood and God gave him a gift of languages. There's absolutely no question about that. But then there's some trouble in there, in there about some spiritual things. <laughs> but he describes what morality is. And, and morals simply it mean this, that the spiritual life of Christ is working in you as a human being, as one of his. And it always has to do with scriptures. But men take 
morals and bring it into the flesh and then it loses the right value and the right terminology there. So again, here, it's single in a moral sense. And really, uh, what it was, what, what Paul was bringing out, and he was bringing this out in, in the book of Ephesians, when he would say, uh, go into the marketplace, in Ephesians 5 uh, and verse 16, redeeming the time, he, he would say, he said, redeem the time because the days are evil. The evil there's poneros. Evil there is this, that there were sellers in the marketplace, in the literal marketplace, and they would sell their goods, but they had a way to fold the cloths to do away with any defects in it so they, they couldn't see it, and they would buy it, and they'd buy the whole thing. This is what the enemy does with anxiety about material things, but even much more about spiritual realities, far much more than that. And so it's without folds. It's transparent. It's open. It's not, it's, it's not pretending that you have received love and loving God. It's not pretending, not being a pretender in, in Romans 12 and verse 9. Without folds, like a piece of cloth unfolded. That's exactly what it says. See that? So the eye, the eye here is the organ of vi vision. Let your eye be single. Christ. Christ. Our views to be vertical. Not horizontal. What's my thought like this, this morning? Horizontal? My plan? What am I going to do with a job? And Okay, fine. How do we know? How can we know that without Christ, who's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end? In Revelations 1, 8, 11, and 17, in Revelations 22 and verse 13. He's the Alpha and the Omega. There's no question about that. He's the planner. He's the planner in Jeremiah 29 verse 11. It's to be without folds. Because the eye is the, is the organ of vision, or in other words, it's the place of expression or the place of proper experience or improper. Improper. And so the evil, the evil there is, is this. The evil is the eye, it's poneros, infectious evil, in active opposition to God's divine will, materially or spiritually, eternally. Do we see that? That's what it is. Because both can be diseased. That's poneros, infection, infectious evil. Satan's not in, he's not interested in just his intrinsic cacos evil. You see that in Exodus, in, in uh, Ezekiel 28, 15 down through 22. He wasn't just satisfied with being intrinsically evil. He went about and poisoned others. They knew it though, but he did. He was able to deceive them. How much more us without Christ? experiencing him. So and then it's used this. <laughs> Diseased eye. What does it mean? We become stingy about material things. That's right. That's what it says in the original. Sting stinginess in the Septuagint. They take that word from the Hebrew and bring it over into the Greek. And it means that you get you have a diseased eye. What's that? Stingy. Material things. Material things. 
Listen, be content with such things as you have. You think there's contentment in the flesh? You think it can have enough? Do we think lust is insatiable? Absolutely. Be content with such things as you have in Hebrews 13, 5. He said, I'm not going to leave you nor forsake you. What's your whole plan based on? God help us, right? <laughs> I mean us. Me and you and you and me. And so this is what it says. If the eyes are diseased, infected with evil, what does it do? People get cross-eyed. People get, seriously. And one Greek scholar said they get cross-eyed and they could get cockeyed. Why? Because then we begin to see double and have vision that's confused. And is God the author of confusion? Material things, eternal salvation. Is he the author of confusion? Does he ever change his mind in Malachi 3, 6 and James 1, 17? Is Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever in Hebrews 13, 8? Without a doubt. Is God the author of confusion in 1 Corinthians 14, 33? No. But of life, Christ, and peace, Christ. No question about it. That has to do with material things, but even greater in a spiritual eternal sense, which has to do with our finished, eternal, unchangeable, immutable salvation in Christ alone. By faith alone, and dependence alone, and grace alone, and Christ alone. There's no question about it. So, we see double and get confused. We keep one eye on the hoarded treasure. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then the other, we proudly roll up to heaven. <laughs> one eye on the treasure, one eye on Christ. A double-minded man is what? And stable what? In James 1.8, in all his ways. No balance. There's no balance. There's no foundational reality or experiential reality. And so we see this. That's double-mindedness. That's having a small soul. Okay, so Proverbs 24 and verse 9, the thought of foolishness is sin. Think we can do a thing. Think material things will keep me safe and happy. Oh, stick around in this country. Fourth cycle of discipline for a nation is economic collapse. It's coming to this nation. You can mark it down. Fifth cycle is military takeover and loss of freedom. Study your church history and see it. And none of us can know these things without him, by the way, without Christ, without the Holy Spirit being our true teacher, and there's absolutely no question about it, but we all have that available to us. No question about it. Double-minded. So if you faint in Proverbs 24 and verse 10, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small, it says in Proverbs 24 and verse 10. And what that means is you have a very narrow, very small soul. Not enough room for Christ. Just enough what you want, but keep him out when you don't want him. That's what it says. No man can serve two masters. Many try, but many fail. All that awaits is failure. Men try, even try to be slaves to God and to mammon. Money. Oh, God. Oh, boy. Oh, in the flesh, we are, honestly, I mean this, and I mean this with me in the flesh and you in the flesh. We are such cheapskates to God and others. We're cheapskates. That's what we are. I mean, you can call it taking care of your family, and I can too, and all that. Hogwash. In the flesh, we're cheapskates. 
It affects us in every area of our life. We used to be faithful in areas. Now we're still faithful, but not so much. Interesting. Okay, interesting for any of us. No man can serve two masters. Men try to be slaves to God and mammon. We said this the other day. What is mammon? It's a Chaldee, Syriatic, and Punic word. It's like Plutus. The money god. The devil. Do we hear that? The money god. The devil. You worship money. Who do you think you're worshiping and serving? What's our plan for the day? What's the most important thing? I'll tell you about it. It's happening right here by God's grace for all. That's what's important. And nothing should take its place. For any of us. Here we are. Here we are. The slave of mammon will obey mammon while pretending to obey God. But you can't serve two. Impossible. Can't serve two. So here we are in the United States. And tell me this is not here, hasn't been here, and hasn't come. You tell me if this isn't the latest day and age. Revelations 3, 14 to 22. Here it is. In the United States, we have the terrible revelation of the power of the money God. Those in power. You look at the ones that are in power. We call it political all you want. It's spiritual. And you can, you can name the names. They all have money. Money. They worship the money God. Are we going to do that like Christians? Well, we see it. <laughs> when the guide is blind and leads the blind, both fall into the ditch. That's Matthew 15 and verse 14. That's teaching about teaching about how God wants to bless you and make you a millionaire. Oh, why do you want to be a millionaire? I want to be a millionaire. Why? What's the Is it God's purpose? Does it have to do with glorifying Christ? Is it? I want to be a millionaire. Yeah, air. Prince and power of the air in Ephesians 2, too, the money God. The money God. Very interesting. They both fall into the ditch. That's what happens to a Christian who no longer can tell the difference between the road that he should walk on and the ditch that he can fall in. Got a lot of people in a ditch of confusion about eternal security, about material wealth. No question about it, you get in a ditch. You know that Jesus delivered us from all of that? Did you know that he did? When you read Psalm 41, 2, and 3, when you read that, that is the Spirit of Christ. God delivered him from the pit of noise. You know whose noise that he took upon him was all ours on Calvary. God delivered him. How? You know when he cried out in Matthew 27 and verse 46 and Psalm 22 and verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But did God answer his prayer? Anyway, yeah, how? Resurrection life. And not only that, son, guess what? I've given you all these as the church. They're yours, son. We're his. We do not own ourselves. Oh, I'm so glad that he owns me. And I'm learning it more and more. I'm so glad that I'm his and not my own anymore. I am so, 
so, so blessed and resting in his love about that. Thank you, Lord. And I do mean it. I do mean it with all my heart uh, this morning. And so we see that. He's delivered us from the ditch. He took us off the dunghill in 1 Samuel 2 and verse 8. He took me out of the dunghill and set me among princes. You know what that means? That's 1 Samuel 2. That's you and I in Christ. We can fellowship together in John, 1 John 1, verses 1 through 3. Experience it in verse 4. And if anything happens in between, we can confess it and go right back because of 1 John 2, 1 and 2. There's absolutely no question about that. He's delivered us from the ditch. He took all that we couldn't contend with. He was the sin sacrifice. He was that in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. And he wants us to know the difference between the road, the pure road, the lit up road of Proverbs 4 and verse 18. That lit up road in Psalm 36 and verse 9. That that the steps of Christ himself, the light of God, in John 8, 12, that walked in 1 Peter 2, 21. And we ought, if we say that we are abiding in him, we ought to also walk like he did in 1 John 2 and verse 6. Because he, he's given us the grace and the ability, the supernatural ability to do it. To do it. But we must be humble and not be proud, thinking we can keep our salvation when in the first place we didn't do anything to earn it. Nasty, evil, pride. <laughs> and I don't want it in myself. Verse 25, stop being anxious. Present imperative command, stop it. Stop being anxious. About what? Material things and your eternal future. Stop being anxious. Stop it. May, marimnate, te, suke, human. Stop it. Stop it. You need to have the soul separated from the spirit. In Hebrews 4 and verse 12, stop it. Stop it. Separate. We are separated. Sanctify them. Separate them in your truth. Experientially, because they're positionally you are in John 17, 17. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. The word. The word. And Jesus did it, he set himself apart because of it in 17 verse 19 of John, because in John 8, 29 and Romans 15 verse 3, he always did the things that pleased the Father. He always did. Thought. Take no thought means stop being anxious. Stop worrying. Stop fearing. Why? Because the enemy will use anxiety about material things, but even more so about eternal realities to put you in trouble and separate you with a thought that gives you complete anguish and torture. That's 1 John 4, verse 18, 2 Timothy 1, 7. No question about these truths here. No question about it. Why? Because what does anxiety do? It distracts and divides the believer from Jesus Christ. And that's what the beautiful, gentle rebuke that Christ was given to Martha in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 41 and 2. That's what he was doing. He gave her a subtle rebuke. Why? Because she was so excessive in what she thought she needed to do 
and and what was it about? She was preparing food. You see that? Anxiety, food, clothing, food, clothing. <laughs> the proper care and forethought of Christ for us is brought out in 1 Corinthians 7.32, 1 Corinthians 12.25, and Philippians 2.20. But here it's the present imperative with the negative, a command not to have the habit of petulant worry about food, clothing, which is a source of anxiety to many. It can affect housewives. It can affect women. And command not to stop, to stop worshiping mammon, but this is much as a man. This is much for a man. They must stop that worry if you are, and God is saying to us this morning, you're to stop worrying about it if you're indulging in it. Stop it. I command you in the authority of my love. Stop it. Stop. Don't do it. Why do you spend your money on something that can't give you the rest that's yours in my son? And this is Isaiah 55 and verse 2. You come and buy without money in 55.1 of Isaiah. We didn't have anything to buy salvation. What makes us think that we have to pay God to keep it? Terrible, terrible. What must it do to our, to our Savior to see his church this way? To see his wife this way? How would you feel as a husband to see your wife worried? Well, stop it. Do not become anxious. Because if you become anxious, you grow. You grow further away from Christ in anxiety. And trusting him in Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. For your life, suke, the soul life, is that common principle that doesn't, there's no difference between a man and a beast, a creature. And men live that way. They don't live as a triune being, spirit, soul, and body in First Thessalonians 5, 23. And without him, and because of anxiety experientially, we just live and that's what the psalmist was praying in Psalm 119.25. Oh God, quicken me according to your word because my soul, suke, is cleaving to the dust, my, my body. Oh, all these material needs. He knows those things that we have need of. And Christ has provided them in his plan. He didn't leave that out. He didn't just take care of our eternal future and ditch us on the earth. And allow us to fall into a ditch. He didn't do that. So we either grow in grace and truth and knowledge and love in Second Peter three eighteen, or we grow and continue to be anxious and fearful. Well, as we wrap this up this morning. In these last four minutes here, we can see this. What does the body need? What is what does that physical body need? Food, clothing, all these things. That's what the heathen, the unsaved, go after. That's their first thought about everything. And their only thought. Is God in their thought in Psalm 10 verse 4? No. Nope. No. Not at all. Well, here we have it here. Don't allow the enemy any longer to put you in trouble and divide you with thoughts of anguish and torture that don't come from Christ and his love for us, his finished work love. Do you see the lilies of the field? 
Do you see them striving? Do you see them? See how beautiful they are? The poppies, the gladiolas, the irises, the roses. You see how beautiful they are? They didn't produce their beauty. They didn't produce their aroma. Christ our Creator did. They didn't do it, but you don't see them toiling or spinning in anxiety and fear. Seek first his kingdom. Seek first God's loving rule over us through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit experientially. And the last thing is, the last resort, the last resort for the one that lives in fear, the anxious soul, when you come to Christ, then all your fears are dealt with. But you have to come to him. God resists the proud in James 4, 6. And that can be in total ignorance. We, we can be so unaware of it. That's why we need to walk in the light. Because we cannot define the difference between sin and anything else until we're in his presence. We can't sin in his presence, but we can't know it outside of his presence. We cannot know it. We only know it in the light of his presence. And this is the scriptures. That's Christ with the power of the Holy Spirit. And Father, I just pray this morning that you keep us. Keep us. Keep us. Cause us to be built up on our most holy faith. To guard ourselves, to keep ourselves in the love of God. To do so this morning. To do it. And so that we live. When we in Philippians 2, 3 start esteeming others better than ourselves and stop looking to our own things, but also on the things of the other of others. Because in Philippians 2 and verse 21, all outside of Christ experientially seek not seek their own things, not the things of Christ. And God forbid that I or any of us should do so, and the love of God manifested through the cross, declares it with a beautiful authority. So, Father, we love you. Thank you for your counsel. Thank you for your love. Your so great love for us. And I just pray that you would write that booklet that is so very necessary, especially pertaining to eternal salvation and absolute assurance. In Jesus' name, amen.